with the first pick. Welcome back to the Daft On Draft Podcast. I'm Devin Jackson, joined by Corey Kennan. We're back this week to talk some offensive tackles at, towards the end of the show, but it's a big day uh, for the draft community. It was the declaration cutoff for uh, underclassmen, and, and a lot of people were kind of waiting around to see uh, three names in particular on the offensive side of the ball, if they would declare or not. And obviously, C.J. Stroud, Quinn Johnston, and Jordan Addison, all of them are in, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, Corey, how you doing, man? It's been it's been a little bit since we last talked. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back. You know, it was my son's first birthday last week, so I was out of commission last week celebrating and had his party over the weekend. So, uh, but it's good to be back. Good to talk some offensive tackles. Where you know, college football is officially over. Senior Bowl's next. Uh, Declaration Day was today, so I think we got a, a pretty jam packed episode. Pretty jam packed episode. So. Uh, I'm just happy to be back with you, Devin. For sure, man. And uh, happy belated birthday to your son as well, of course. Um, always a, a great thing to celebrate. But switching gears to uh, kind of the news we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Addison, Stroud, and Johnson are all in. Um, Corey, for you, was there any doubt from those three guys that, that you – was there any doubt from you at least that uh, these guys would, would go ahead and enter their name? I didn't think so. Um, I didn't think so. I'm surprised. Um, we still haven't heard anything about Leitu Latu yet. I haven't seen anything. I've been looking all day. But no, like with Stroud, I mean, I knew they didn't even have any NIL money to begin with, really. Ohio State's really struggling for NIL money. So, um, yeah, so I didn't think he would uh, He would go back. And so I'm not super shocked, especially looking at, you know, who's at the top of the draft, how many quarterbacks are going, you know, probably the top five top seven so um not really shocked by any of them um some guys i wish would have declared you know again late two lots who's still waiting to hear on probably tells me he's probably not uh probably not declaring if we haven't heard anything yet um but johnny newton out of illinois as well man i was really i really like his tape a lot um ready to go back and um dive back into his tape and see where he takes off at. And then 2023 now. Uh, but I, I mean, I thought he was a top five defensive tackle in this class. So I'm not really surprised by any decision. I knew Johnny was kind of on the fence again. He's only, I think he's only 20 or 19. He's a redshirt sophomore. So um, he's still got plenty of time, but I, I already think his tape's really good. So that's a little disappointing, but not super shocked otherwise. Yeah. Newton is a, is a guy that I've been kind of, uh, that's been popping on my screen, watching some of the uh, Illinois defensive guys. So, uh, like you said, very surprised he went back. But yeah, overall, I'm not too surprised. Um, and a lot of people got worried because Stroud kind of drew it out. But if, if you remember correctly, Justin Fields waited until the last day as well uh, to to declare back when uh, he went through the process. So you just got to give guys time to, you know, just kind of digress from the season. They had a tough loss against Georgia. And, um, you know, now he's heading off to the NFL. Uh, but as we're getting closer and, and deeper into the kind of draft season with play NFL playoffs still going on, but more and more teams every week are going to be added kind of to that draft pool. Uh, one big event coming up in uh, about two weeks now will be, uh, mm-hmm. or whenever this comes out, will be two weeks from the day that there'll be weigh-ins and then practices later down mobile. 
but we'll we we're not going to do a full breakdown of the senior bowl invites because it it would just be i mean it'll be hours and hours long <laughs> of content and a lot of guys i'm still trying to catch up on as too as well but we're going to do a few guys on the offensive side of the ball that we're looking forward to watching and then defensive side of the ball but offensive side of the ball this week so i'm gonna let you go first Corey. uh who's one guy uh that you and it doesn't necessarily be a top guy, but a guy that you think could could prove a lot down in Mobile uh, on the offensive side of the ball. On the offensive offensive side of the ball, uh, I think Blake, Blake Freeland has a chance. I mean, he's going to test like a freak, uh, but I think there's some obvious concerns with his pad level. Again, he's six foot nine, so he's a massive dude, uh, and then he's kind of stiff. Again, he's a good athlete, like a good linear athlete. He moves side to side, side to side well, but. Uh, I don't think he has a lot of knee bend. And so uh, I'll be interested to see how, how he works, you know, those kind of the, those, those lever points, those leverage points with his, he's got long arms, 35 inch arms. And, and so can he, can he keep defenders and one-on-ones out of his chest? Um, I mean, I, I saw some of that struggle on his tape again, because he's just so tall and his pad levels is naturally rises. So going against, against guys like, uh, you know, Zach Harrison, I, and I don't know if they're on the same team. It'll do one-on-ones or if it's, it's going to have to wait to the game, the, the, the game on for that. But like some of those other more explosive pass rushers with long arms, um, how can he protect his frame, uh, and keep those guys out of his chest as well and win that leverage battle? So, so Blake Freeland's a guy that I'm, I'm watching for sure on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Watched him and, and we'll probably mention him later when we uh, talk tackles or top five tackles, but I think he could, could certainly uh, use a, a big week down mobile. I'm going to go to a quarterback position. I'm going to go with Jake Hayner uh, from Fresno state mm-hmm. as a guy that I think could have a big week. And that really needs to kind of prove that he can operate in, in kind of an upper echelon of talent. I think of the quarterbacks down there, he probably is one of the more creative out of structure uh, at the very least, being able to keep plays alive and uh, have some accuracy throwing over the middle of the field, those with timing and touch. But obviously, he's not the biggest guy. He's a, he's a bit small, but he's a gamer. You know, he, he's someone that comes ready to play, comes prepared, um, and and has some clean footwork in the pocket. So I'm I'm very interested to see, one, how does he look when, you know, he's not throwing to guys like Jalen Cropper that he's familiar with who's heading to the East-West Shrine game. And then two, how can he or how does he handle pressure? Is he going to step up into pockets? Uh, will the height be an issue? Because uh, there's a lot of big dudes down going down in Mobile. So we'll be able to see over that line uh, when they go into full team drills. And, you know, how well can he throw the football from the pocket? So I think that will be um, a big point of contention for me to see just how well he looks in person and, and how he handles kind of that pressure surrounding it another does another guy stand out for you as well uh you know on the offensive side offensive side of the ball yeah go for it uh yeah 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 so a uh, quarterback is a good one Jake Hainer's a good one I'm gonna go with another quarterback as well uh a D2 dude who got an invite and Tyson Badgent so uh again D2 guy had opportunities to transfer up I know West Virginia and Maryland were two schools that had P5 schools that had interest in him out of Shepard um but again, I, I've heard there, you know, there might have been some eligibility issues where not all those credits would have transferred and he, he might have been ineligible if he tried to transfer up. But regardless of what happened, uh, he made the decision to stay at Shepard uh, and fought it out another year at the Division II level um, and now gets to, to go against all these P5 names at, at the Senior Bowl. So uh, I'm interested to see how fast things move for him. 
clearly, you know, at P5 level with P5 talent, things are going to move quicker than they do at, at the division level. And again, he, 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 he's in a spread raid, uh, shepherd. So, you know, I, I think he, the ability in uh, a lot of, a lot of the concepts that he's playing at shepherd are, are very much timing rounds, um, very much, um, get your eyes to the right spots, pre-snap and, 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 and get the ball out. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of how he works against some of these, uh, you know, bigger name, bigger name ones than he's, he's in at D2, uh, schools and, and how fast his eyes are kind of working, um, with that sped up competition as well. So Tyson Badgett's a, a guy that I'm watching for sure. Yeah. Um, just being able to watch a few of his games, you know, you, you see kind of the, the alluring traits he has, but, but like you said, how is he going to handle the speed um, that's going to be down in mobile? And I'm going to go with another guy uh, or one of your guys that uh, you identified last year in Dottavian Wicks uh, receiver from Virginia. I want to see him. Um, oh, first of all, away from the, the off the Travis Steven offense that Virginia ran this year. <laughs> um, but two, I want to see, you know, was last year just a admiration or, or was this something that, you know, he just put in a, a bad system uh, his final season at Virginia? Because when I watched him in over the summer and in, in the spring of last year, he looked like a totally different player uh, this year on film. Just opportunities weren't there. The the connection wasn't there with with Armstrong, who who did return and you know, had some intrigue uh, before he decided to uh, transfer. But uh, I think for him, it's it's going to be about how well he can, um, you know, beat one-on-one coverage. How does he look, um, you know, in those contested catch situations? And, and I just want to see him just have an overall a, a really good week and, and you know, kind of put his name back on the map because he, he fell off hardcore. He was a guy that could have been a preseason or in in a discussion to be a top five receiver in this class, but then this year happened and, and he just kind of uh, fell, you know, fell down the boards, uh, so to speak. Yeah, I like Wicks a lot too. Uh, I'm really interested to see how how he shows up. Again, you mentioned that Tony Elliott hire going from Bracco Mendenhall to Tony Elliott was just tumultuous for the Virginia offense. Uh, it's led to, to Brennan Armstrong transferring out to NC State. Uh, it led to a massive drop in production from, from Wicks. So, uh, and he's on tape at least, he doesn't appear to be one of the more twitchier guys. So I want to see. And maybe that's incorrect. Maybe that's that's me and you didn't go back and watch some more tape, but we'll see how he kind of uses his release packages and how he uses his hands at the top of routes in those one-on-one drills. And again, the one-on-ones can can get a little wacky uh, and get a little out of context and people tend to to put those, like uh, elevate those when evaluating players. And I don't think they they say that much, but I will be watching, can he diversify a release package? Can he show me he can wipe hands at the top of his routes? Can he show me he can create subtle separation uh, when he's coming out of his breaks? Things like that can go a long way, even in those one-on-one drills. Uh, so Wicks is a, a really, really strong candidate as well. Um, switching to the defensive side of the ball, Devin, who who's a, a name that you're watching on the defensive side of the ball at the Senior Bowl coming up here? Yeah, so there, there's a, a a lot of interesting names uh, down at the Senior Bowl when when you scroll through, uh, especially in in the defensive line class. I think it's it's probably the most talented, um, you know, of the group. But uh, my eyes go to a a edge rusher that uh, you know, is a little bit overshadowed by his teammate, and and to me, I think there's some tools there, but 
the hand usage is an issue, and that's Allie Gay from LSU. Mm-hmm. Dude has some long levers, and and you can see it when he uh, fully extends on, on pass rushes. He can quickly win on inside moves, but there's just not a lot of consistency, and there's not a lot of a pass rush plan. A lot of the time, he's he's trying to bull rush, or he's trying to. Uh, went on an inside move, and, and once that stopped, you basically kind of see the effort take over, and he's able to still cause havoc. But to me, I want to see what coaching does for him. And to me, it kind of reminds me of a, another player a couple of years ago down Mobile, uh, Janarius Robinson from Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. And in terms, not a direct comp, but in terms of how they struggle using their hands, and, and there's so much potential there. Um, you know, like I said, he has some long arms and made some intriguing plays on film, but there's just not enough consistency down to down. So in a deep edge class, can he, you know, kind of make a name for himself and, and earn himself some money down mobile with, when all the eyes are going to be on like Zach Harrison, Tyree Wilson, uh, and names like that. Can he make some noise? So I'm very interested to see what he does. It's a good name. It feels like we've been talking about alligator for three years. Yeah. It he, feels like we've been talking about him for a long time. Yeah, he's he's one of those names <laughs> that lingers and and just hasn't quite put it all together. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go to a defensive tackle for my first guy, uh, and I'm going to go with my guy, who still for some reason is not getting buzz. And you know, I've talked to Dane Brugler a little bit, and he said he knows scouts that have a fifth round grade on this guy, and I have no idea why. Because by my eyes, like he's long, he's explosive, he's athletic, he's got heavy hands. Uh, I think he uses his hands better than a lot of the defensive tackles in this class. Um, and that's Byron Young out of Alabama, man. And and so, like, again, he's 6'3", 333 and 5'8 inch arms. So he's almost got 34 inch arms, massive levers. Like, I don't I don't understand why he's still getting mocked in, like, late third, early fourth rounds on these simulators. Uh, again, Dane said he's, he knows some scouts who have fifth round grades on this guy. And I'm just like, why? From, from my eyes, again, only Brissy and only Carter obviously not in that order, Carter first, Brissy second, are the only two defensive tackles that I can definitively say are better than Byron Young. And I think he's going to go out and he's going to dominate one-on-ones. He's going to get into blockers' chest. He's going to convert speed to power to high level in those one-on-ones. And I think he's going to have a really strong week. Uh, And then follow that up and go into the combine where he's going to test well. Uh, Again, I think he's really explosive, really talented. So uh, Byron Young from Alabama is, is a name that one, I, I'm still baffled that we're not talking about. And two, just doesn't genuinely seem to have all that much NFL hype. So I want to see how he goes down into Mobile and how he dominates and how he performs. We've seen guys that, uh, you know, have those those late round grades go down in Mobile and, and really tear it up. So very interested to see if he's one of those guys. I'm going to go with another player, but this one is a linebacker. And this is a guy that me and you have talked about when he was down in Miami, Miami of Ohio, and that's Ivan Pace Jr. Mm. Uh, from Cincinnati. Um, I'm very surprised he's not getting hype as well because he's he's just one of those guys that he's always making plays. He has pass rush upside, um, someone that that's, has instincts, sideline to sideline. He had a hit, I want to say, earlier in the season against Indiana where he depleted a guy, um, you know, running from the middle of the box out to, uh, you know, the – uh, sideline but not only that he he stacks up the the stat sheet every play that you know is made at the line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage he's making and this was something you saw on his Miami Ohio film and, and he carried over to Cincinnati and uh, to me I think he's one of the more intriguing linebackers in a group to me that's not you know 
it's like a lot of depth pieces in this linebacker uh, room at Mobile, but not a lot of potential stars. I think he could be a potential starter for an NFL team. So I'm very excited to see him in person. I think he's going to have a lot more buzz coming out of Mobile than he does going in. Uh, and I think he's he's really going to make a name for himself down uh, down the senior bowl. Yeah, that's an interesting name. He originally had a shrine invite and recently just got got that senior bowl invite. I think it was like last week he got that that senior bowl invite. So again, he's undersized. Tran- again, transferred from Miami of Ohio to Cincinnati. I I am interested to see how he handles the one on one drills with tight ends and running backs. They always do those the because I don't I don't see a lot of a lot from him when he's in a, in a backpedal. Um, so I'm interested in that. Again, I think his eyes are great. Uh, I don't know how good of an athlete he is, uh, but I do want to kind of see how he does in a backpedal. So, um, that's a, that's a really good name. Uh, I'm going to go to the safeties. Uh, and you know, being a Columbus, Ohio guy, I could have gone Zach Harrison, whatever, but, uh, Ronnie Hickman just got an invite this week. Uh, a, a registered junior d- declared out of Ohio state safety. Um, Again, he was kind of a, the main communicator on the Ohio State defense, did a lot of the quarterbacking, um, but played a lot of box and a lot of slot. And again, I think that's a really good role for him at Ohio State, but I kind of want to see how they utilize him in those team drills. Are they going to have him in, in single double high looks um, or are they going to have him exclusively in the box? How will he thrive? How will he do in those one-on-one drills against tight ends, against running backs? Um, so I'm interested in, in kind of seeing how um, because again, on his tape, yeah, I say he's a really good box slot, but I don't see a lot of range. I don't see a lot of, uh, ball hawking ability to, to thrive when you kind of have to throw him in single high or when he has to, you know, cover half the field and, and, and two high looks. So that's kind of the stuff I'm interested in. And again, I, I think he's a great tackler. I think he knows his run fits. I think he's a really good downhill player. And I think he does a pretty good job when he's in man coverage from the slot as well. Um, on underneath routes to sink in. To, to hip pockets and use his hands really well to uh, to maintain leverage and, and man coverage. But uh, when he's forced to turn and run, how how is um, Ronnie Hickman going to look? And again, they might not even throw him back there. They might say, yeah, we know who you are. And this is what NFL teams know you are. So this is where you're going to be. Um, but again, I think he's a good player. Uh, kind of overlooked as well. I think he's a fringe top 100 player. So um, it'll be, a, I'm interested to see how Ronnie Hickman kind of shows out too. Yeah, he, he made a lot of good plays, uh, especially down the stretch for Ohio State. So uh, I think he, he'll he be an interesting name to watch because that safety room uh, in Mobile is, is, is pretty deep. They got they got a lot of talent. Uh, Chris Smith, J.L. Skinner, uh, two names as well uh, to, to watch. But but yeah, th- a lot of good names here in, in, in Mobile or, or will be down in Mobile. So uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think defense has a quite the advantage uh, in terms of uh, talent and, and how well they can, uh, you know, or how well the the talent uh, stacks up, at least on the defensive side of the ball compared to the offensive mobile. But like I said, that's happening in two weeks, uh, and, and we'll talk more about that as it gets closer. But now is the, the main event, the top five tackles for us. And I'll tell you what, this tackle class is loaded. There's a lot of good talent. And there's a lot of diversity of of talent too. You know, there there's guys that are, are big. You got the Dewan Jones of the world, but Roger Jones is is crazy athletic for his size, and it's probably going to test out of this world. Um, and then obviously you have Paris Johnson, Anton Harrison, and so many other names. But we'll go five to one as we done on other shows. And and Corey, I'll let you go for first for your number five tackle. 
Yeah. So my number five uh, is is at Ohio State. Again, we're gonna we're probably both gonna have two Ohio State guys on our top fives. Maybe not. Uh, number five for me though is uh, is Dewan Jones. Uh, again, massive dude, six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pound mammoth. Was a basketball recruit too, coming out of high school. If you watch his basketball highlights, it's actually pretty funny. Um, really, really funny. There's one where he gets an and one and falls over, and literally three of his teammates grab him to pull him up. It's very funny. Uh, but Dewan Jones. For his size, uh, and again, he slimmed down a little bit this offseason for Ohio State. His foot speed is not bad for being 360 pounds, which is what he's listed at. Uh, I think he moves pretty darn well. I think there are some balance issues. Again, a guy like that is not going to shift his weight super well. Um, I think, again, kind of what, I, what we were talking about with Friedland and, and the Senior Bowl, uh, there's not a lot of knee bend when you're, when you're that big and uh, that tall. Uh, so I, I think defenders can get into his chest a little bit. Uh, but again, he moves really well. Uh, that that even includes getting to the boundary. You know, and you can watch him bury dudes out wide, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. Um, and I like his hands a lot, too. I've seen some really good hand replacement to, to win back inside leverage. He's got a nasty snatch trap that he loves to hit uh, as well. So... Um, Again, there's there there are some deficiencies in this game, but Dewan Jones is a guy who I think is probably going to go top sixty four, uh, might go top fifty. Uh, I think he he probably still tests pretty well at that size, and and who knows if he tests well at six eight three sixty, some team in the top thirty two might say, yeah, I'll take a shot on that. So, uh, and his arms are thirty six inches as well. So there's a lot to love with with Dewan Jones. Uh, so he he falls in at, at number five for me here. Yeah, both Ohio State guys are in my top five. And, and as we talked about, uh, in one of our first episodes, I'm, I'm incredibly high on Dewan, Dewan Jones. Uh, just missed a first round grade from me. Uh, have a high second on him, but, uh, he's actually not number five on my list. Number five for me is Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. And I know you're a little bit higher on him, but for me, you know, Harrison is just, there is very little I saw wrong with his game. And I, I thought for him, the movement skills were there. Uh, he's someone that, you know, has the adequate link to to handle some of the the long longer arm edge rushers. But he has some core strength as well to to deal with guys that try to bully him and and try to uh, hit the bull rush on him as well. Um, thought it was very fundamentally sound. Uh, his his steps were were very quick. Got up and down really quickly in, in past sets able to pass off twists really nicely. Um, and, you know, his, his pass bro is probably the best part of his game for me. I just really enjoyed how he moved laterally, able to pass off twists, uh, able to counter uh, against, uh, you know, uh, pass rush moves, able to reset hands. Saw a lot of that uh, in his game. I thought he could, could be a little bit stronger in the run game, uh, get a little bit more movement. But I think overall he's solid in the run game, and for me, I I just really like his ability uh, to to move out in space too. Uh, he's an athletic guy that you can can ask to to put him on the perimeter. He, he made some nice plays on the perimeter, um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I'm I'm very uh, interested to see how kind of the NFL views Harrison because I think mm-hmm. there's not a ton of hype around him right now but but i certainly think he's uh, a guy that that i could see going at, at the end of round one yeah uh it's funny you say that because my number four guy is is anton harrison so um i really like anton harrison as well um i have a second round on both him and dewand um 
again, you mentioned a lot of things that I really like. Uh, he's a very smooth mover, very, very smooth mover, has a really nice pass set. Um, really enjoy uh, his ability to set wide, his ability to set vertical, uh, and he even jump sets well. And you mentioned, even though he's not one of the bulkier offensive tackles, I think he does a really good job of knowing pre-snap how he's going to operate. Um, so that means, you know, you mentioned he has a really good anchor. Again, I don't know uh, if, if, his, if his core strength is really that strong or if he knows, okay, I'm going against this guy. He's going to hit me with power. I need to be prepared to anchor right away. Uh, or if it's a speed guy, he, he knows I got to be prepared to keep my feet moving uh, and, and be, be ready for anything. Um, but whatever it is, I think Anton has a, a really strong knowledge of what the man across from him is going to throw at him and how to counter that. So that leads to him uh, dropping his anchor really quickly against power and, and showing he has a good anchor. I think his hands can be stronger. Uh, I don't think he's a mauler in the run game. Uh, not particularly a physical player, but uh, there's a lot to love with Anton Harrison. Nice hands. Uh, again, they could be stronger, but the, the savvy he uses with his hands, uh, his set is one of the smoothest in the class. Uh, just a really, really solid mover, really solid player. Um, Anton's my four. Yeah. I really, really enjoy this film. And uh, we, I forgot to, we'll, we'll do at the end, but uh, his teammate, William Morris, isn't too bad either. We'll talk about some guys that just missed our top five list towards the end of the show. Uh, number four for me is Dewan Jones. And you hit a, the nail on the head um, with how good he is and, and what he's able to bring to the table uh, at his size. Um, for me, it, it really kind of solidified watching him in person, seeing just how good he was and, and the ability to go against that Georgia defense um, and still move pretty well. There's still times he got beat. Uh, Jalen Carter is a freak. He's still going to win when he does. And, and he threw uh, Jones at one point um, in the game. But to me, he had him with snatch trap. That's his go-to move for sure. Uh, you know, in pass pro. Um, and, and I just thought he moved better overall. Uh, I think, you know, cutting down the weight a little bit certainly helped from last year to this year. Uh, balance uh, is not always there, but I thought it was a, a lot better than last year. And, I just really like uh, how nasty he plays. You know, he plays through the whistle. He's driving dudes out of bounds, um, you know, finishing, uh, you know, kind of in dominant position. And there's just a lot to like, you know, to with Jones. And I think you, you're going to have to take, you know, the size and, and kind of how his pad level and, you know, how defenders can get into his chest. Uh, that's something you're going to have to live with. But his resetting hands and, and how quickly he can do that, I think, kind of offsets that and, and makes him uh, tackle number four for me. I love it. I love it. Again, Dewan's a good player. I mean, again, this this tackle class isn't like 2020 where four names right at the top. You know, there isn't a, a run of Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, uh, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs. Like, that's not this class. But I think there's a lot of really solid talent back end of round one, early into round two, even a little bit into round three. Um, so, these these guys that we're saying are four and five are are, are pretty talented players. Uh, moving to three, this guy was actually four for me. Anton was was three for me for a while, but the stretch of games that Broderick Jones put together in the playoffs is unbelievable. Um, to the point where I have to say, man, this guy's OT three and has the ceiling to be the best tackle in this class. Like, um, again today, I say he's OT three. Um, talk to me in three years, and I won't be shocked if he's developed into an All Pro tackle. Again, length out the wazoo, long, long arms, athletic ability, 
off the charts. Uh, still a little clunky in his sets, uh, but that it looks a little bit cleaner down the stretch. His Ohio State tape going against JT Tuomalau and, and Zach Harrison is just is really good stuff. I thought in the the SEC championship game, BJ Ojolari gave him some fits with bend and and athleticism around the, the high side, but he dealt with power with Zach Harrison really well. And then JTT is the who can throw a little bit more bend, who can move a little bit uh, twitchier along the outside track. And and I thought he did a good job mirroring and and staying square with with, with him as well. So um, I'm putting Broderick at three. Uh, the, the the traits man. There's not a there's not a tackle in this class with better traits than Broderick Jones. So I get people who say Broderick Jones is OT one of this class. I get it. Um, for me, I, I, I still would like to see a little bit more refinement with his hands, uh, a little bit cleaner of a set in his lower half. Uh, I still think he's a little clunky, some stuff to work through, but again, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. So highest traits in the class. Uh, who knows by the time he tests, he's going to go for, I mean, he's going to go first round today if the draft were today, but he's going to test off the charts as well. So he could continue to climb, but, uh, I have no, no opposition to anybody who says this guy's the best tackle in the class. This guy's the second best tackle in the class for me personally. Uh, he's OT3, but again, talk to me in three, four years and tell me, that, you know, whoa, you were wrong. This guy's an all-pro. I'll say, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, he's a little bit higher on my list, but man, I, you know, and I talked to you after the game about this, but that that Georgia game, or the Georgia-Ohio State game, uh, that really kind of shifted kind of my thought process on him a little bit, and then he went out and dominated TCU. So moving to my uh, offensive tackle three, uh, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, um, and, and it really was a, a close battle between he and and Broderick Jones because both of them are, are supremely talented underclassmen that, uh, to me, it was separated by half a point. But for me, Paris Johnson Jr. came in at OT3, and he does a really nice job, um, you know, really combating uh, different types of edge rushers. Uh, I know he gave up a sack against Georgia, but really from that point on he he played a really clean uh game and 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 did a really nice job um you know getting those hands off his chest and and replacing them uh moving laterally and, and vertically uh really have no issues with with kind of his his movement and i thought his northwestern game uh was his best run blocking uh tape uh put on film he did a really nice job uh moving at the point of attack in a game that you know really didn't fit ohio state style they were able to still grind out uh, yards on on the ground uh but for me the the kind of the difference between the two is you know i, I know Roger jones is is only uh, a one-year starter uh for georgia uh but but the difference between the two is like i, I see kind of for me it, it it was purely looking at them as as tackles uh because because paris johnson has that uh background as a guard as well i think there's a chance he's value a little bit more highly for, for teams that may not necessarily need a tackle, but can move them inside. Um, but I think he could do a better job of, uh, you know, on, at the initial point of attack, uh, you know, not allowing defenders to get into his chest because uh, it was a good bit happening on the, the Michigan game film. But overall, I really like his game. I think he's, he's a player that uh, should go in the top 15 and, and, and will, and and will bring immediate, uh, you know, like three at least three to four spots he can play on the offensive line, uh, no question asked. I think that's how good he is, uh, for or or can bring to an NFL franchise. I love it. We'll get to pairs a little bit for me as well. Um, we'll get there, there, so I I won't spoil too much there. Uh, moving on to number two, man. So uh, I bet 
Uh, although he might be your one. Uh, my number two then is, is, is Peter Skaronsky out of, out of Northwestern. So um, with Skaronsky, you won't find a more refined tackle in the class. You won't find uh, a player who knows how to, to overcome some, some limitations uh, used by using body framing and by using his technique. Uh, he can vertical set, he can wide set, he can jump set at a high level. Um, so again, I think that refinement is, is off the charts. Um, uh, he moves well on game. He moves bodies off the point of attack. There's a lot to love about Peter Skaronsky. But what keeps him from OT1 for me is that he's in the body of a guard. It's different than like Rayshon Slater, for me, at least. I think his arms are probably shorter than, than Rayshon Slater. Uh, he doesn't move as well as Rayshon. Like, again, Peter Skronsky is refined. Yes, very refined. But he's not Rayshon Slater. Like, they're, they're completely different prize, uh, prospects. I don't think he's going to test as athletic as, as Rayshon Slater did. Uh, I, and again, I question how much of it, how good of an athlete Skronsky is as well. I think his IQ is off the charts. I think his refinement's off the charts. But uh, there are limitations to his game. Again, he's in the guard of his body. In the, in the body of a guard. Uh, we'll see how he tests. He could, he could blow me away. But uh, I think he wins a lot with refinement. Um, and that's going to keep him from OT1 for me. Um, so Skronsky's going to fall at two for me. Yeah, he's my OT1. Um, and it really just comes down to the technician he is. Um, and, and just how valuable that, that will be, I think. In his evaluation, and to me, I think he's one of those guys that you take you know, even if you don't have a left tackle need. But if you need a left tackle, I don't know if he's he should be your first guy on the list necessarily, but I think just how good he is as a technician, I think it, it just kind of speaks for itself. But my OT2 is Roger Jones. We talked a little bit about him, but to me, getting to see him live, I think, was a, a big difference just because, like, you know, you, you watch these dudes on tape and, and you see how well they can move, but, you know, to be able to handle what they were throwing at him uh, in, in Zach Harrison and JTT, especially in Ohio State game, it it was amazing to see him kind of learn on the fly. And, and to me, you bet on that type of outside where a guy is figuring it out in, in front of you. You know, it's not like he's taking – like three, four weeks to develop. He's like developing with, with every snap on the field. You know, every snap is, is meaningful and, and he takes it. Uh, I don't want to say seriously, but he, everything you can tell, he takes in a lot of that coaching and, and that speaks to the Georgia staff and how well they prepared him. First of all, to, to be able to play at such a high level at a premium position, uh, especially in SEC. I mean, you, you get dudes throwing and I, I just wish we would have seen Alabama and Georgia play. Cause I want to see, him go one-on-one with, with Will Anderson. I think that'll be a fun matchup mm-hmm. to see just, you know, how how much he can kind of combat that and, and whatnot. But Jones is my OT, too. Um, I think the athleticism space really is is kind of a, a separation aspect for me versus a lot of the tackles. Uh, he's not only moving well in space, he's, like, leading blocks in space. You know, on, like, screens, there was a touchdown run against – uh, TCU by Stetson Bennett, where he was lead blocking for Stetson Bennett and, and scored him to the end zone, essentially. So there's so much good, especially down the stretch of the season. I think he showed there's still some, like you said, some, some you know, growth immaturity, you know, just dealing with some speed rushers. Ojalari's a first-round talent, and, and mo- he makes most dudes look silly, so I'm not super surprised by that. But I think with more experience and 
uh, you know, honing in more on this technique, I think he's a guy that, that could be an all pro in three or four years, as you said. Again, yeah, you'll get no complaint out of me about about Roderick Jones because he's again off the chart tools. Off the chart tools and he's getting better every single game. So um yeah, so that, that moves us to one. Again, you said uh Skronsky's your one. Since I've already broke down Skronsky a little bit, why don't you go ahead and, and say what you like about Skronsky that puts you that puts him at, at OT one for you. Yeah, uh for me, I think the Ohio State game really kind of started to to turn me a little bit, you know, because once again two pass rushers that bring a, a different skill set. And there was the reps that he didn't win. And and it's because of his length or lack of length. But to be able to get into the chest of Zach Harrison, uh, you know, with, with some of this skill and refinement, you know, replacing hands, swiping them, hand fighting, um, and and doing things like that, I think really started to turn the tide. And then, you know, what he did against Illinois and Wisconsin, you know, with kind of how both defensive schemes are, are throwing a lot of twists at you they're throwing a lot of different body types and he was still able to to handle it and you know really be more of a savvy player versus a a, a you know athletically gifted guy and and to me you know a lot of people are asking you know is he like Rashawn Slater not really you know they're they're not very they're not similar I think at all in terms of you know just how the what the style of play they play with but I think Skaronsi is like extremely savvy you know someone that time play in play out you know you're, what you're going to get with him there's not going to be any mm-hmm. dip and play there's not going to be in, any inconsistency snap to snap you know when he hits the target uh you know he hits the defender's chest every time you know there's no wide hands there's no sloppy hands you know everything about him is is calculated and, and buttoned up so that's what what made him ot1 for me I understand that he's probably not going to be a first tackle taken off the board. And, you know, there are guys that have higher ceilings. But right now, I think, you know, he can hold his own at tackle in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to be someone that lasts his entire career there. But I think he's going to find wherever he ends up at, you know, whether it's at guard, whether it's at tackle. I think he's going to be a really good player. I I agree. I agree. Um, Echoing the things that I said. And you had Paris Johnson as your OT3. Uh, I had Paris Johnson as my OT1. Again, I think it goes to show how much uh, of this class, there isn't a top guy. There isn't um, a penne soul in this class where you're like, yeah, that that that's the dude in this class. Um, but again, the depth is nice. Um, so it, you could have those one through three interchange any any way you want. Uh, but again, for me, it's Paris, it's, it's Paris, it's Paris Johnson Jr., um, one, I like his tools. I like his tools. Uh, so again, with Broderick Jones, I like his, I love his tools. I think he's clunky for Peter Skaronsky. It's, I really love his game, but I, I don't think he has the tools that even Rayshon Slater has. Cause I think Rayshon Slater had some really nice freaking tools, uh, outside of his life. Um, but I think Paris Johnson is the best of both worlds. I think his foot speed is nice. Uh, his set is, is is pretty. His set is pretty uh, for being a first year uh, offensive tackle. Again, he started at, in high school at offensive tackle. Sure, his first year at college level started offensive tackle, uh, going from right guard to left tackle. So uh, he still can continue to grow uh, into uh, into that role. Uh, again, 
he's he's longer than Peter Skaronsky. Uh so I, I like his arms. I like his his build. Um his grip strength is, is phenomenal. Grip strength's phenomenal when he gets latched on. Um foot speed's good. Uh a mauler. Uh, he moves he moves bodies off the line of the scrimmage. Um so again when we go back and we talk about like a guy like Anton Harrison doesn't really move bodies. Uh that's the way it is with, with some of these others that will hit his honor mentions, but uh, he's a he's a body mover in the run game as well. Uh, so I like his ceiling. Uh, and for me, he's the perfect mesh of again. His tools aren't as good as Broderick. He's not as re- refined as as, as Skaronsky. But if you put them both together and took some of the parts of each of them, uh, I like I, I would bet on that. And and that's kind of where I'm at with with Paris Johnson. Um, so he's my my OT one. Yeah, really diversity of skill set. Uh, you know, with this tackle class, you know, there it's going to be interesting to to see how everyone stacks up, especially after testing comes out and verified measurables and everything. But I mean, our our top three guys are are guys are not going to be uh you know like down at the Senior Bowl, for example, or or you know at, at an All Star game. So I think it's very interesting to to kind of see that and see just how much these underclassmen are, are, you know, you know, coming in or and and you know dominating at, at their first years at position, especially with Roger Jones and Paris Johnson. So it's very interesting to see uh, you know, just how the list stacked up. But to kind of recap for for my list, uh at five um was Anton Harrison, at four was Dewan Jones, at three Paris Johnson Jr. And at two was Roger Jones and then at one was Peter Skaronsky and, and yours, Corey. Yeah, mine was Dewan Jones at five, Anton Harrison at four, Broderick Jones at three, Peter Skronsky at two, and uh, Paris Johnson at one. Again, I do take athletic testing into consideration in my ranking. So again, Broderick Jones could could leave some people. Uh, Peter Skronsky could fall if he is the, the athlete that I, that I think he is. And again, I, th- there's a common thing you'll say, don't count things twice. Like, I get it. But at the end of the day, the NFL is doing this. Like they, they could say, I know this guy's athletic on tape, but if they go on, they blow the, tr- like blow the doors off of Lucas oil. They're gonna, still going to say that guy's moving up. So why shouldn't we do the same? So, uh, that's kind of what I'm doing as well. So I do factor 80% film, 20% relative athletic score. Thank you, Kent Lee Flat. I know you're probably not listening, but you are. Thank you. Uh, into my final score. So that, that, that has the, the ability to, to produce movement in my rankings. But for now, Jones is three, Skronsky two. Johnson won. Devin, who let's highlight two names each in this class. And and you kind of mentioned Wanya more, so we can talk about Wanya, but two names each who didn't make the cut in your top five, but but you are, are still kind of excited about and think, you know, this guy could go fringe top hundred, maybe even early day three, and and find a role pretty early in the NFL. Yeah, for me, uh I think it's Wanya Morris is is one of the one of those guys that could go top hundred. I don't think he will. Um just just based on the tape right now, but if he goes down and and really improves, I think his uh, his core strength one, then two, uh, you know how well he can place his his hands, uh, you know, on his initial punch because he can recover. He he has movement skills, uh, especially in space, uh, and he's starting to get to a point where he could, especially towards the end of the season, he was replacing hands and doing a better job replacing his hands. So. You see a player that's that's improving. Uh, it's had a lot of hype even back to his Tennessee days. But I want to see if he can put it all together down Mobile. But he's a guy that that I will watch out for uh, for sure. And then two, uh, Darnell Wright. Uh, to me, it is an interesting case because like he's a big dude, um, someone that that really improved his play in twenty twenty two. 
But I do still have some questions about, you know, how well does he move laterally? You know, when when the pressure is put on him, uh, you know, to be able to handle some of those speedier rushes uh, with him being a bigger guy, like, is he going to be able to handle that? Can he replace his hands quicker? Uh, those are some questions I had on this tape. I thought he was a, a solid player uh, and, and had some really good moments against some good edge rushers, but all, every game there was some inconsistency, especially with his balance too. So I think a week down Mobile will either for me figure out if he's going to be a, a you know a fringe top fifty guy or is he going to be someone that goes like late round three and, and you know someone that kind of takes some time to develop. Love it. Love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on Matthew Bergeron. I like Matthew Bergeron, man. He's a good player. I think he has a, a small hitch in his set. You know, he's got kind of a false step off the ball uh, that limits his ability to to gain depth. Uh, but I like his foot speed, man. I like his grip strength. His anchor's a little soft. Anchor's a little soft. Um, but I do I do like Matthew Bergeron quite a bit. Uh, again, he'll be in Mobile, so. Matthew Berger, I really want him to be a top five tackle. Like, there, I really want him to be a top five tackle, but just not quite there yet. Just not there yet. Um, so, yeah, Matthew Bergeron's a guy for me. Yeah, Bergeron's a it was a good good watch too. Watch him earlier today. Um, and and there there's a lot to like there. Um, I think for him, um, he uh. You know, he did a really good job, um, you know, being able to to handle some of the uh, speedier edge rushes. I, I thought, you know, watching back some of his 2021 tape as well against Clemson, there were times he had some good reps against Miles Murphy, and then Miles Murphy kind of, you know, did what Miles Murphy does. So uh, I, I he think had a rough he, go with Jared Verse <laughs> as well, man. Jared Verse, that, that dude had a long 60 minutes against Jared Verse. <laughs> yeah, it it I it was and, and I'm very surprised versus going back. That was a, a player that, that uh we, we forgot to mention that was heading back to school. Very surprised. Um but yeah, yeah, he Bergeron was a was a good watch and, and, and someone that, you know, maybe he's a in the conversation in the top top five, you know, if he, mm-hmm. he puts together a nice weekend mobile. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I'll do my second one now, man. It's so hard to, cho- this is again, a good depth class. I mean, I could go, I mentioned Blake, Blake Freeland as a guy I'm, I'm really hoping can, can understand how to use his levers and keep people out of his chest and mobile, but I'm not going to go with Freeland. I think we got, we have to talk about Darnell, right? Right. Like we have to talk about Darnell, right? right? Some people have this guy as like a top three tackle in this class. Some people have this guy as a first round prospect. Some people I've seen have him as OT one. Uh, and I just don't see that with Darnell Wright. And again, I think he's a really good player. I think he's got a nasty snatch trap as well. I think he can move bodies for me. When it comes down to Darnell Wright though, I think he's a guard. I think he's a guard. And I say that because he's really top heavy, very top heavy. Again, I think he moves well for his size, but I do think his speed, his foot speed's a little bit slower comparatively. That does. That's not to say he's not a smooth setter. Uh, it's just not, a, he's, he's not a quick mover. Uh, I think there's there's evidence uh, on on tape that he doesn't shift his weight and change directions uh, super effectively. Uh, but again, he's really top heavy, and that shows up. He can get out of, over his waist a little bit. Uh, he has a, a great deal of upper body strength. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to it. But I, I think he's a guard, man. I think he's a guard, and if, and if the, I do score him as a tackle, which I probably will because I tend to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I would have him at OT six, so right behind Dewan Jones, but. 
when it comes down to it, I, I, I truly think one, I don't see a first round prospect out of Darnell, Darnell, Darnell White, right? The same that other people do. Uh, and two, at the end of the day, I think he's going to find more success inside. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about like for him, you know, it, it the, the lateral movement just worries me. You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, Tennessee, you think about their offensive system and, and some of the their deficiencies on offensive line is matched just by the scheme. You know, there's a lot of screens or a lot of a lot of quick throws. Like the LSU game is a perfect example, right? You're playing you're playing Ojalari and, and Ali Gay, we mentioned earlier. And a lot of that game was quick throws. It was a lot of a lot of, you know, quick screens, quick hitters, you know, uh hole shots. So you didn't see him a ton, you know, in in like five step drop back or seven step seven step drop back. And even the the limited reps, you could see Ozilari was getting into his chest and and you know, causing him to kind of open up his hips a little bit just to close off the the edge. And I think he gives up a little bit of a soft edge too. You know, like he has the strength to kind of ward them off. He has a really heavy punch that can, you know, like keep defenders at bay, but I just worry in in those times where, you know, you're gonna have like Miles Garrett and 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 you know those type edge rushers where, you know, they can win multiple ways, right? And I I just worry that he's gonna get in a situation where he just doesn't have the foot speed to to handle that consistently. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. All right, Devin. Before we get out. Let's let's shift away from from offensive tackles a little bit. We talked a lot of offensive tackles here, and I love it uh, because I, I like to, I like watching offensive tackles, uh, and I love breaking them down. But we do this at the end of every episode. Devin, just give me one name of a player you've watched recently that you're like, man, I like this guy. I like this guy uh, as, as you've been kind of working through your, your evals here. Yeah, I'm gonna go to LSU defense, and it's not it's not uh, Ozilari, uh it's not Ellie Gay. Uh, it's actually one of the linebackers, Mike Micah Baskerville. Um, okay. Fifth year senior uh, for LSU. Um, and to me, I don't know, he doesn't have a lot of high-end traits, but what I see is a guy that has instincts and, and has the ability to, uh, you know, shoot gaps, um, has some coverage ability too. Uh, he's, he's carrying tight ends up the seam. Uh, he, he's chasing uh, – you know, like mesh routes. Uh, he's chasing running backs as well. A couple of nice plays and coverage he made on Jameer Gibbs. Uh, to me, I think he's like a late day three guy, maybe a UDFA guy, but I can see him sticking around and in, in being on an NFL roster. Because uh, you can see before the play, he's like lining everybody up. Uh, there was a uh, a reverse that he had or against Tennessee where he saw the he he was motioning the orbit motion before it happened, and then he went and made the tackle. So I see a lot of instincts. I see a lot of a guy that that studies film and and knows what's coming. He's he's clearly uh, a high IQ guy. If he's lining everybody up on that talented LSU defense, that it's going to have uh, a lot of top hundred picks in over the next couple of years. And, and it just kind of stands out to me. And, and to me, I don't want, I don't think this is a, a comp, but he kind of reminds me of like Malcolm Rodriguez, where he has so much game experience. He's someone that is not a, a athletic freak. He's not someone that 
you know, is, is going to blow the doors off of testing, but he's always making tackles. He's always around the ball and, and always in passing lane. So Baskerville for me is, is a intriguing guy. I don't think he's going to get drafted, uh, you know, anywhere close in the first like five or six rounds, but maybe late round six, early round seven, they, they take a look at him, bring him in even as a UDFA. And I think he has a chance to make a roster. I like it. I got to dive into these linebackers a little bit more too. Uh, again, I've watched a few and I will get to linebackers eventually on this podcast. Uh, but, but Baskerville is a guy who's always popped on tape, always popped on tape. So um, I'm excited to, to dive into him, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about an edge. And again, we'll, we'll get the edges more as well. Uh, but it's kind of a weird edge where I don't think he's a full-time edge at the, at the, at the NFL level, but, uh, Wisconsin's Nick, Nick Urbig's tape is pretty good, man. Again, if he wasn't listed at 6'1", 227, I think like, yeah, I could get on board with this guy, but again, he's listed at 6'1", 227. So I don't think that's a full-time edge, but, but I think if you, you find a team who runs a three, four defense and you can have him play one of the, you know, like a Sam Bowl in a three, four, or, uh, even a four three is a rotational pass rusher, or even a three four in a rotational pass rusher. If you kick a defensive end in, who can who can you want to move around and bring him outside? Like I think there's a lot of sub package versatility that that Nick Urbig can bring. Uh, and I think again, I think he could play Sam. So I, I there's people who talk about you know he could transition to off ball. Like that's not a move that that's easily made. Like that's not an easy move to make for a player. So I wouldn't wish that on anybody or try to project that on anybody or. Uh, evaluate that uh, on an edge rusher, but I think he plays Sam, and I think he could be a sub package nightmare uh, in pass rushing situations. Uh, really nice hands, really good get off, excellent bend. Like I think I mean I've talked about BJ Ozlari ad nauseum on the podcast, but I think Ozlari's got the best bend in the class. I think Nolan Smith has really big, really good bend in the class. Nick Erbig might be that third guy, might be that second guy. He's got some of the he's in that tier one of of guys with bend in this class. Like, uh, so I think there's a lot to like about Nick Herb. I don't love his physicality. I don't know how well he can set an edge at the NFL level. I don't know how well he can, he can kind of hold his own in the trenches. But, uh, again, he, he has the potential to be a Sam linebacker and a sub patch dream. Um, so I really enjoyed his tape today when I was watching it. Yeah, he, he's someone, uh, I was watching Keanu Benton, uh, finishing up his eval and, and man, he was, he was tearing up some tackles, uh, just being able to to bend. And I, I bring this up, or I brought this up to you before, but, man, Iowa's tackles were awful this year. They were awful. And, and he had a field day against them, um, just being able to to consistently bend the edge. But, he, yeah, he's someone that's on my list. Uh, he popped up in a top 10 mock the other day. Um <laughs> Which was uh, a little bit surprising, but uh I yeah, but he, that as well. We'll yeah. let the name slip by, but Nick Gerbig <laughs> is not going top ten. Nick Gerbig is probably not going top sixty five. Uh again, I think you draft a guy like you gotta know. I'm getting I'm getting a Sam or a sub package guy here. And typically those guys aren't going top two rounds. Right. Yeah. So uh that's another reason the name came up, but uh but he's he's still a really good player. Um, and, and I'm excited to, to dive into him. One more quick hitter for me uh, before we get out of here. Uh, Julius Brents is, is, has some nice length. Um, I think I like him probably more in the zone system because I, I just don't know his top end speed. Is he going to be able to consistently uh, stay with that? Um, so, so you know, a cover three scheme I think will be nice for him. 
to utilize that length and, and ability to close on the football, his ball skills too. Had some nice reps against Johnston in, in the two matches they had too. Um, and he's gonna be down on mobile. So I'm I'm interested to see how well he can can move laterally and and you know, can he stay in the hip pocket? because uh, I, I did see him panic a little bit on on deep passes and uh, you know, grab the receiver before and, and not get his head turned around, which is why I think for me, I, I kind of like him more in a zone coverage type of look. And, and they ran a lot of different coverages at Kansas State. It wasn't just uh, man. And and he did made a nice, a couple of nice plays, uh, like in cover two, like mid pointing and just being able to to stay on top uh, in deeper uh, zone coverages. But, but I'm just to see if, if he can can hold his own in one-on-ones, but he's, he's an interesting name. Uh, I, I would, I would think day three type of guy for sure uh, at this current point, but I'm interested to see just how well he, he competes down mobile. Guys like Brent's make me cornerback play frustrates the crap out of me, man. Like, uh, like I tend to lean towards foot speed. I tend to lean towards press. Back. I tend to lean towards like uh, how oily his hips are. And then those dudes with length always like I'm always very low on them. And then those are always the guys who go into NFL or intermediate computers, like Sauce Gardner, like Tariq Woolen. I did not think Tariq Woolen's tape was that great at UTSA. People loved him last year. He tested off the charts, obviously, but like I didn't see a super fluid athlete on tape. Yeah, as long as he was there, but like I didn't love it. But then he comes in and he leads the league in interceptions as a like so like. Those long guys always give me fits, so I'm interested to see what I think of Brent's when I get there. I'm adjusting a little bit this year because of that. Like, again, Sauce Gardner. Also, I didn't think he was super fluid on tape, and then he went out and did what he did at the Combine as well. So, like, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. But uh, definitely reshifting my mentality with corners a little bit because of guys like Sauce and, and Tariq. Yeah, corners are a tough one, man. Uh, especially because, like, there, there. It's not always there. All the answers you want are not always there. Or if they are, it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe he doesn't have great hips. He goes out in, in you know, in the NFL and in balls, you know. So it, it, it's an interesting position. I think that in in edge, especially like the guys that are like, like not super bendy, but they can still win, especially in on like on the edge. It's like. Okay, but but how is that going to translate? Like Ali Gay is a, a perfect example that frustrated me. Like, you got the tools, you know, you you have what the NFL is looking for, uh, in an edge rusher. But you know, you're not doing any of the things that, you know, a, a top edge rusher would do, or you're just not using your hands enough. So, I, I I totally get it, man. It's it's a process for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, we'll break down another position group. Next week, I'm not going to say it live on the air because we've done that before and then shifted and did a different position of what we said live. Uh, we will have another top next week. Again, by next week, we're, we're going to be getting more into the Senior Bowl. Uh, everybody is announcing by tonight. I'm still waiting on Leitu Latu. Still nothing. And it's 8.42 p.m. Eastern time as we're, we're finishing up here. So still nothing. Too. I think he's the last big one we're kind of waiting on. Um, but other than that, I think, I think that's all I've got. You got anything to add? Nah, that's all I got, man. Uh, but but thanks, guys, for for listening to this episode. Uh, you know, covered a lot in today's episode. Started with some of the the big declarations, some some senior bowl names to to watch, or at least we're watching closely uh, as Mobile inches closer and our top five tackles. But we will be back soon. Um, we'll have another episode for you guys on Daffon Drive Podcast. But for now, uh, follow me on Twitter at. 
real D underscore Jackson. Uh, follow Corey on Twitter at real Corey Kennan, and we'll see you guys next week.